Hey, Dan, we are back. Boing, boing, shaboing, Riley. We are. I don't know. Is that a good catchphrase? Is that- boing, boing, shaboing? It sounds like, I don't know, it sounds like a kind of New York Jewish uh, group from, doo-wop group from the 50s. Boing, boing, shaboing. How I love my Clara. Boing, boing, shaboing. I told them at shul. Boing, boing, shaboing. Boing, boing, shaboing. <laughs> I don't know, just does. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Has anything exciting happened to you? No, um, not really. I did, you know, want to say something at the beginning of this podcast because I keep remembering to say I was listening to our last podcast and realized I come off sometimes as a bit of a one percenter because people don't know context. And when I say like, oh, I'm moving to this resort town where they make candles and yoga, it sounds like I'm moving to Aspen or something. And I just want all my listeners to understand that I'm the farthest thing from a one percenter you could get. The reason I'm moving um, outside the city to this town is I can't afford to live in Ottawa right now. Yeah. Because I want to live in a good neighborhood, not a good neighborhood, but a, a, a nice neighborhood downtown. I don't want to live in the suburbs. And the homes here are one million and up. And I don't make that kind of money. So... I'm going to preface what I'm about to say with my family roots are from that area. Deshane, near Elmer. It is known, though, that part of Canada or that part of Quebec, because that's where you are moving to, is the province of Quebec, a French-speaking province. Yes. It is known as the armpit of Quebec. So you're definitely not a one percenter. Is it really known as that? Yeah, but it's lovely. I mean, again, my roots are from there, the Pontiac region and all of that. That's where my... Well, one part of my family is from, uh, so I say that with all due respect. But yeah, I just didn't want to excommunicate. Well, not excommunicate. Yes, I'm the Pope. I didn't want to, you know, my listeners to think that I was some kind of douchey guy who, you know, who drives a Tesla. And I think that they might not think that based on comment. Like, I don't think anyone thinks you're in the 1% per se, but I do think there's a very large majority of our listeners who feel sorry for me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's why yeah. i love you dan did you why don't you tell everyone about the irock you drive what's an irock a muscle car is it really the only muscle cars i ever really noticed are what a hummer that's not a muscle car that's a jeep a dodge um something Shadow? charger charger yeah that's sort, sort of, of. that's not really that a muscle, muscle. sort of a little bit but I have to say, you know what, if someone came up and offered me like a 1967, one of those cool cars, I don't know, Stingray or something like that, or a Mustang, I'd take it. Sure. I love vintage looking, cool sports cars. My brother had in the 1980s, while he was in high school, he drove a 1976 Corvette Stingray that he bought. Your brother is like the person you should have been. Oh, and my family tells me that all the time. They say, <laughs> thank God for him. Because at least one of our children was a success. How did he do it? He would work uh, at a brick factory in the summer. And he would work oh. long hours. This is back in the 1980s. And he was making, I think it was like 18, 19 bucks an hour. Oh. Because it was like hard labor. And you, I remember you said he was like a physically really strong guy, right? Yeah. And so he, he did that. He worked for two summers and he paid for it. Like he wasn't given to him. He was a hardworking guy. When I was 16, um, or not even, maybe 15 or 16, one of my friends worked at, do you remember Ponderosa? 
Yes. The the Carnaby bar. Steakhouse? Yeah. Yeah, with that long sal- I, I love a salad bar. I'm never going to shit a on good, a salad It was bar. a good salad bar. I love a salad bar. I love it. I still love it. If I walk in and there's a salad bar, I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. I've come home. Mm-hmm. But um, he worked at uh, Ponderosa and bought himself the most kick-ass stereo for a seven, for a 16 year 15 16 year old to have and so we would all go over to his house to listen to our records cuz it was like a beautiful techniques like something that a, a kid that age wouldn't normally have and it was mm-hmm. amazing and he just did it by working at Ponderosa as a teenager and going to school well right you could work at McDonald's i mean but you have to have support like you're not paying other bills if you're doing well you that. also have to have a lot of discipline because at 15 I couldn't hold on to a dime. I, I didn't want to work. My first job was at McDonald's, and I was the guy that would put up his hand at the beginning of every shift when they would kind of look at how many people they had and prognosticate how many people they needed for that shift. I'd always be the one who'd say, I'll go home. Do they do that? Yeah. I once collected a check from McDonald's, a two-week check, for $4.75, which means that I, I probably I showed up for less than an hour that in that two-week span. I hated it. Did they fire you? So kind of. I resigned in the summer of 94. And I went into the manager's to office to say, uh, look, I'm I'm quitting. And I, I, was gonna, I was working with the Pez family, which was a comedy troupe in Ottawa. And uh, we were kids and we didn't make any money out of that, by the way. But that's another story. He already, the manager already had my form signed. Like everything, my dismissal form was already done up. He goes, oh, yeah, perfect. Just sign here. And that was it. So I think I was about to be fired. That's hilarious. I didn't know they have those meetings. Well, I asked for the meeting. No, no, no. Where they put, they ask anybody if anybody wants to go home. Oh, yeah. It was just at the, like, they would say it in the kitchen. Okay, well, uh, we can, two people can go if they want. And I'd be waving my hand. And I got consistently demoted there. I started off in food assembly. I was too creative. I'd be like, screw this. I'm not putting two pickles on this. I'm going to put four. I'm not doing one squirt of mustard. I'm going to do three. You can't do that. Not there you can't. Well, no. McDonald's, everybody should get the same experience. Well, I didn't like that. I liked. I had that inner chef artist in me that didn't want to be an automated and, or automaton. Automaton? Automaton. 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 Tom Tom. So I, I kept getting demoted. Till the end, I was in the lobby. And I loved it. I actually liked the lobby. Cleaning the lobby. Like sweeping the floor and cleaning tables collecting trays and i liked it because i was alone like i didn't have to i didn't have a manager and i could go outside to do the garbages and kind of stay outside for longer so anyway they knew i think they knew what i was up to and eventually if that's 94 that's not long before i met you i don't think is it no i would have been 16 i would have been it was a while it was a while well, no, I met you when I was 19 or 20. All right. Uh, let's, uh, I don't want to, um, to make these people run away and scream. I got a story. Like a good one this time? It's a, it's a good one. And you know what? I thought I knew. Just joking you. I thought it was a smarty pants. And I you, feel like the fans actually like you more. That's why I have to try. And, I don't think uh, they do. I don't, I'm unpleasant. I thought I knew everything about this story. And I didn't at all, at all, at okay. all, at all. Oh, I love that when that happens. Yeah. And um, this is also another China top 20 story. You did one last week with the Cecil Hotel. Yeah. So I'm doing another top 20 story this week with the story and legend of the Mothman. <gasps> you are. I is. 
Oh, I'm so down for this. Because I thought at one time I would like to do that one. It's a big one. Good for you. I'm going to sit back and enjoy this. It is a big one. It's more writing than I've done in a long time. And I actually got into it. I watched a lot of movies. I didn't watch the Richard Gere Mothman Prophecy again because I know the movie really well. So okay. I didn't have to watch that again. Okay. And it's kind of a mishmash of a whole bunch of stuff. But the bridge collapse is very accurate. Okay. Well, maybe this is jumping it, but is, is that movie fairly accurate in depicting... The story in general? Yeah, okay, Yeah, cool. very much so. It embellishes, of course, because it's Hollywood, but um, yeah. it actually really does tell exactly what happened. Here we go. All right, there's been a lot of legends throughout the centuries and in many cultures involving winged creatures that are harbingers of doom. Like the Van Meter Visitor. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Way back a long time ago, we talked about that, but that was... A potential theory about the Van Meter. Well, these legends, actually, if you historically trace them, they go as far back as Babylon. So a long time. Yes. Native American culture has a real big one known as the Thunderbird, which you Mm -hmm. probably come across. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The creature which rides on a storm and its wings, when they flap, make the sound of thunder. And in the Hindu myths, they have a deity known as Garuda. And he is a deity of immense power, and he embodies both good and bad, kind of. It's a very, he's a very powerful warrior. So I'm going to start telling you a little bit about some of the sightings of winged creatures uh, that have taken place in North America that lead us up to the Mothman incident. Mm-hmm. In 1877, a strange winged man was spotted over Coney Island, New York, on more than one occasion. That made it into the papers, caused a lot of speculation, and then it abruptly disappeared. In Houston, I'd never heard of this one either. In 1953, there was the strange sighting of a huge creature they referred to as the Batman. Hmm. And it was described in the local papers as, and I love this quote, an unearthly figure of a man with wings. Can't you just see some woman going, it's the unearthly figure of a man with wings. That's what I would exclaim if I saw it. Me too. Because unearthly is always on the tip of my tongue. Me too. Yeah. I can I just say this. This isn't I've never heard any of these things. Neither have I. So I might That's crazy. Uh, so when we're scraping the bottom of the barrel in three years, we can go back and do these. In in, in nineteen seventy six in Cornwall, England, there were sightings of what became known as the Owl Man. Yes. We talked about this one very like it came up in passing in another episode we yes, did. The Owl Man of Cornwall. I think you know what? I think it was in the Black Eyed Children episode, maybe, that we talked I I, I just sort of mentioned that that very fast that there was an owl man mm-hmm. well, witnesses described that creature as a huge man with glowing eyes and large wings so those are all sightings of creatures that are close in their description to what people would eventually come to describe as the Mothman. So I'm going to take you now to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, where this all goes down. Okay. At the time in question, it's a very small um, American community. It's always a small American community. Did you ever notice that? Yeah, even even the ones that have taken place in other countries like uh, Germany <laughs> and Ireland all take place in a small American community in those countries. Rural Gothic, I'm telling you. Except last week, you you broke the mold with L.A. Yes, I did. And I didn't know about Skid Row, and it made me angry. At the time in question, it's, as I said, about 5,000 residents, and they're all crammed into about three square miles. It's a typical American small town in every single way, like the library, the bank, the drugstore, you know, all of it. It's on the banks um, of both the Ohio and the Kanawha Rivers. And the principal industry in the whole Point Pleasant area is agriculture. It's an agriculture community supported by agriculture. In a 13-month period in 1976, there are over 100 reported sightings 
of a creature that would come to be known as the Mothman. How many? Over 100. Wow. It was a lot. In a very short period of time. In a very short period of time, 13 months. Our story begins in earnest on November the 12th, 1966. Five grave diggers working near a town called Clendenin see a creature of human form fly out towards them from a group of trees. Mm. And it comes, it flies over their heads, and then abruptly disappears back into the tree line. Mm-hmm. November 14th, 1966, a resident of Salem, Ohio, which is very, very close to Point Pleasant, sees two small red objects in the sky hovering over a field on his property. So he decides he's going to move closer to investigate, and he's horrified to discover that what he is looking at are actually two eyes belonging to a dark, tall humanoid creature resting on the branch of a tree observing him. As he gets even closer, the creature abruptly takes flight, letting out a terrifying, blood-curdling shriek as it flies away. His dog, Bandit, of course pursues the creature, and is never seen again. On November 15th, 1966, as you can see, these are just days apart, two young married couples, Mr. and Mrs. Roger Scarberry and Mr. and Mrs. Steve Millette. I love that era when it's always Mr. and Mrs. the guy's name. Mm -hmm. The two couples are driving past a remote area on the outskirts of town. They're coming back from a double date, and the area that they're passing through at the time is known as the TNT area. Why is it called that? Well, Dan, and you being a history buff will like this, mm-hmm. during World War II, there had been a covert munitions manufacturing facility at that location. And even if you visit the area today, I've seen photographs and aerial photographs of it. The remains of the munitions factory are still there, including, this looks so cool, over 100 concrete domes that were used to store volatile explosives. Interesting. Yeah. So all these concrete igloo-like structures dotting the landscape. Do you know why, why, why they're shaped like that? I have no idea. So they couldn't be seen by radar? If there's an explosion, that dome would help uh, suffocate the blast. Oh. Just the, the physics of that dome, it would be able to absorb more. It would still probably, well, if it was big enough, break through, but it would keep the uh, damage more localized. Okay. Well, they're there. You could live in them, but you shouldn't. Plan on it. You shouldn't because the area is actually extremely polluted. Well, that doesn't stop. That has never stopped me. The, the area is actually extremely polluted by the substances that were used to make the munitions. I think that sounds. I think that sounds lovely, and I think you're once again showing your one percentism by suggesting that a bit of chemical byproducts are somehow beneath you. I'm sorry, good listener. That had to be said. They are actually beneath me. I'm sitting on a huge, huge pile of it right now. Yep, I've got it. I'm, I'm sitting on my thalidomide pillow. <laughs> yeah, I've had it since the 70s. It's great. Oh. They recalled it, but I kept it. It's cool. <laughs> my penis fell off, but I don't need it. <laughs> In the 1970s, that area is actually declared the site of an environmental disaster because of all the chemicals that are in the ground. That site is also directly adjacent to the McClintic Wildlife Station, which is just a heavily forested wildlife preserve kind of area. All right, so we have our two couples. It's night. The couples witness a pair of red glowing eyes. As the image grows clearer and more defined, they can actually make out the outline of a black winged creature standing in front of the corpse of an animal, most likely a dog. Most people who study this believe that that's Bandit, the dog that ran away. Mm. They describe the creature's legs as being those of a muscular human man, and that man seemed to measure approximately about seven feet 
tall. They're absolutely terrified. They get in their cars, they head out of the area. They are driving at approximately 100 to 120 miles per hour. Hold on. Did they only describe the bottom half? Like, what about the face? Wings. Couldn't see the face. It was dark. It was the outline. It's night. They're driving super fast, and they can see that the creature is following them and actually keeping pace with the cars. So he's flying at about 100 to 120 miles an hour. Uh. So this, this beast can book it. Every now and then, the shadow of the creature actually passes over their cars. No matter how much they accelerate, they cannot escape it. And it occasionally lets out a blood-curdling shriek. Finally, as the as they enter the outskirts of the town itself, Point Pleasant, mm-hmm. the creature disappears back into the darkness. The couples immediately drive to the sheriff's office and report the incident, and they are terrified. This is what I was—I wanted to ask you. So they even went to the police immediately. Everybody it's did. It's not like they went to the, 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 the news. They went to the police. Everybody <gasps> went to the police. Okay. okay. Yeah. No, this—and they were— absolutely terrified i've actually read some of the testimony and you can see some of the footage these people were messed up wow so the authorities immediately go out to investigate the area but they can find no trace of the creature now of course the press get hold of it and they're all over the story because it's very sensational so the sheriff decides because it's a small community to hold a press conference Mm -hmm. dr robert smith a wildlife expert is in attendance and he claims that what the couples had seen was likely a large crane. Mm-hmm. He even actually pinpoints it to a breed known as a sandhill crane, which I have seen on many, many occasions because they get yep. big. But the people who live there, the people who, the two couples who saw it said, there's no way this was a crane. First of all, the wingspan was massive and it just, the, the body was not of a crane. We know what cranes look like. This wasn't not a crane. Mm-hmm. In the press, the creature is dubbed the Mothman. And this was a character, which I didn't know, in the popular Batman television show at the time, the one starring Adam West. Right. You know, the na 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 that one. Well, of course, yeah. So that's where they got the term Mothman from. It was the press who dubbed it that. I, didn't, I never knew where the, uh, the name came from, and I didn't know there was a, a Mothman in, uh, in Batman. Um, okay, so author John Keel, who I relied quite heavily on in my research for this episode, decides to visit Point Pleasant and investigate the event. And as his investigation unfolds, he discovers that many residents of the town have experienced strange sightings and had not reported it to anyone, including the authorities. In, in that sort of same time frame? Point Pleasant area, yeah, within the last couple of days. Keel discovers, indeed, that on November 16th, 1966, Marcella Bennett, her young daughter Tina, and Mr. and Mrs. Raymond Walmsley were heading to visit relatives who lived on the outskirts of town. When they finally arrived at their destination, they noticed that there were strange lights moving in the sky. Now, uh, Marcella's brother was fascinated by it, but she is really not into it and decides they should leave. As she approaches the car, she sees a creature, a giant dark creature stirring in the shadows. She described it later as a man-like creature over six feet tall with a feathered body. She is terrified, throws herself on the ground, covering her child, trying to protect her child. As she does so, she hears the sound of loud, beating, percussive wings. Hysterical, the four people run to the house get inside and lock themselves inside. They are completely terrified. Mm -hmm. The creature then makes a second appearance. It actually lands on the porch of the home and peers in at them through the window. (gasps) 
<laughs> oh my god! I know I laughed a bit too because it's just the you know. Well, it's terrifying. It reminds me very quick aside being at a cottage in high school with some friends. Was it a improv sleepover? Yes, but it was other teams. It was a few members of of my team with some people from a couple other high schools. So it was maybe not as nerdy by your standards. How many pregnancies? Twenty two. Okay, it's a good night. On the window, though, there was a giant moth that was, like, bigger than my hand. It had, like, a thick green body and leathery, like, wings. And I remember being terrified of of it. One of my friends tried to bet me to, or dared me, sorry, to eat it or touch it. And I wouldn't go anywhere near it. So I can only imagine how scared I would have been if that thing had been looking at me through the window. Yeah, well, just the idea of it peering at them through the window. Mm -hmm. So they immediately call the police. The police come to the location in a hurry, and they find nothing. Do they describe its face? No, because it's dark. The eyes glow. No one ever describes the face, Dan, so you're going to have to let that go. I picture it looking like David Hasselhoff. Mm. All right, Marcella, who lives on the edge of town, claims to have actually seen the creature several times after that encounter. She also claims to have heard its unforgettable shriek on several occasions during the night. She's actually woken up from her slumber hearing that noise. She suffers from nightmares and mental health issues for years after these events, as do a number of the other folks who have come in contact with the Mothman. Now, Keel, the author I was talking about, is stunned by how many reluctant witnesses he comes across. I think what he does is he actually um, just starts interviewing people in town, saying, have you seen anything? And they start to come forward. So when he's doing this, the Mothman is still active. Very. Okay. Okay. Yeah. As soon as he reads the claim of the sighting in the paper, he heads over because he's, okay. he's got a book in his sights. I'm going to be honest about that. He wants to write about it. That's what he does. He, he, he comes to the conclusion that the people are all genuinely terrified, and he's convinced that something very sinister is afoot. Mm-hmm. Okay, Everett Wedge. I love that name. My name is Everett Wedge, and I'm a lovely boy. Everett Wedge, a respected local pilot, was standing with four other pilots outside a hangar. Well, it's not even a hangar. It's just a small facility they have outside town. When they spot a giant dark bird passing overhead. On November 25th, 1966, Tom Urey, a shoe salesman, spotted a flying creature that was so large, he initially thought he was looking at a helicopter. And he was like, oh, a helicopter, wait a minute. Yeah, so throughout the entire winter, because it starts in November of 1966, sightings mm-hmm. of the Mothman continue to occur with startling regularity. Some witnesses walk away with strange burns on their skin And swollen, irritated eyes. The swollen eyes thing comes up again and again and again. It's never explained. So only, and that swollen eyes and burned skin, that only happens if you've seen this creature. Yes. Okay. And, and sorry, and this is always occurring in the evening? Mostly, yeah. There's no daytime. Some of them are during the day. Like the helicopter one. Yeah. It must have been during the day, right? If they can see it in the sky, otherwise they wouldn't see it. Okay. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. The descriptions are always consistent. And none of these people have talked to each other. Approximately six feet tall, dark, large wingspan, feathered, red glowing eyes. Did anyone see a nose? They, some people claimed it had a beak-like protuberance. Okay, well, protuberance, that's, protuberance. that's a face. Yes. Why are you obsessed with a face? Well, it just sounds like David Hasselhoff. I'm fairly certain I've figured this one out. Is it time for your nap? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Many of those who saw the creature were later tormented by very bad dreams and eerie visions, like Marcella, who I mentioned earlier. Some mm-hmm. witnesses also reported seeing lights in the sky, while others reported at the time seeing UFOs. Hmm. So there is that element to this as well, and I'm going to get more into that as we go on. Oh, I never even thought that that could be, for real, connected to this. Big time. And that's not mentioned in the, um, in the movie. The Mothman Prophecies, but uh uh-huh. Keel, the author that I'm talking about, actually claims to have seen the lights in the sky around around Point Pleasant on many occasions. And he actually claims that if you flash a light at the lights, they'll flash back. So there's a bit of a communication going on. During this whole series of events, the National Guard and the Ohio State Police are deployed to try and locate the creature. Okay. Are you serious? I didn't know any of this. No, it was a big deal. They were like, wow. what's going on? There were so many accounts of it that the, that the larger police forces actually became involved. All right, now I'm going to add another layer to the story. You're going to love this. I had no idea about this either. And I think we need to do a, uh, an episode about this particular topic. Point Pleasant residents begin to describe being approached and intimidated by men in black. Mm-hmm. And these guys seem to be trying to silence the witnesses. Many even claim to have been threatened by these strange individuals. Mm-hmm. There is a local reporter named Mary Heyer. And if you do any uh, research on the Mothman, you're going to come across her a lot because she's been following the events since their beginning and writing about them. She mysteriously dies at the age of 54. And she, before her death, had been uneasy. She said she had been having dreams where she saw Christmas packages floating in the water and strange lights. Before her death, witnesses and close friends actually claimed that she was frightened for her life. She said that she had been contacted by these men in black and questioned extensively about the Mothman sightings. And these conversations terrified her. The the men in black, we need to look into that, Dan. It's a big one because they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. So Mothman sightings continue. One of particular note, the operators of the local bloodmobile. Do you know what that is? Uh, where you can give blood yeah. through. Yeah. yeah, the bloodmobile drives around. It's like a bookmobile, but for blood. Every kid gets so excited when they hear the bloodmobile coming down the street. Ding, 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 ding. Mom, mom, the bloodmobile's here. The, so the operators of the local bloodmobile spotted the creature which then proceeded to chase them and this was during the day was the, was the creature wearing red shorts and had like um, one of those buoy things that lifeguards would run with i'm going to ignore you because you're diminishing the importance of my story i'm going to do it to your story next time oh. <laughs> no dan that was alan alda it was just an episode of mash this whole story is just an episode of mash dan no no that's alan alda dan it was the time radar burnt the oatmeal <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to fixate on some weird character from television. Poor Alan Alda. <laughs> and Radar. Oh, so funny. <laughs> okay, uh, so the, right. the people in the Bloodmobile said that the creature was trying to grab the Bloodmobile. Mm-hmm. That would be a tasty treat. That's maybe for the Mothman. That's its ice cream truck, for real. Well, there's some connection between the Mothman and blood. There is... A connection. There are also many reports of missing pets and mutilated cattle, and many of the cattle had been exsanguinated. I love using that word. Did the Bloodmobile have like a um, chocolate dipped uh, O positive? You're so foolish. I really. 
I love it. Because oh, okay. I worked Sorry. so hard on this, and you're like, you know, it's like having a monkey in the room when you're putting together a puzzle. Just comes up and grabs a piece and runs away, and yeah. Lord, they wonder why I cry. I'll be quiet. By December 1967, I was five years old. A year had passed, and more than 100 sightings of the Mothman had been officially reported. I wasn't going to put this in, but I will mention it because we kind of mentioned it. There is a connection between sightings of the Mothman and females having a period. Weird. Yeah. I've never heard that. Yeah, it's, it's, in, it's in a lot of articles about it, and I don't want to get into it because I just don't want to, but that was something that's been brought up a couple of times, that there seemed to be a connection between that and sightings of the Mothman. Well, if it's attracted by blood, that yeah, would make sense. Yeah, right? Okay. All right, here we are. 13 months have passed since that first sighting that I mentioned. Main Street in Point Pleasant leads to a suspension bridge called the Silver Bridge, and it traverses the Ohio River. The bridge is about 40 years old, and that bridge is carrying way more cars than it had ever been designed to accommodate. Mm -hmm. It's December 15th, and I saw pictures. The whole village is decorated for Christmas. It's, there's snow. It's beautiful. It's 5.05 p.m. The bridge is packed with cars. Most of them are Christmas shoppers. It is the coldest day of the year so far, and there is a beautiful light, seasonal snow falling over everything. The bridge suddenly begins to shake. It then begins to sway. And after that, it begins to collapse. One witness described watching the bridge collapse as like watching dominoes fall over, just section after section after section, just completely crumbled and plunged into the river. Mm. And at that point, cars with people inside them begin to plunge into the river. Witnesses said all they could hear was the sound of twisting metal and people screaming and begging for help. When that collapse is finally over and the dust begin to settle, that entire length of the bridge has fallen and completely disappeared between the frigid water because it's December. At that time, it is the worst bridge disaster in United States history. And I didn't know this. 46 people died. Wow. I thought it was like eight or nine. I didn't know it was 46. Did anyone survive? Yeah, a couple people did. Mm -hmm. It takes them days to retrieve all of the bodies days because a lot of the cars are buried under rubble and the water is freezing mm -hmm. terrible tragedy it completely guts that community they never recovered from it so an investigation eventually blames a faulty steel pin for the collapse one single it goes to show you how careful they have to be when they engineer these kinds of of infrastructures when engineers graduate from college or university, where, wherever you are, uh, they get a ring. Mm -hmm. And isn't that ring supposed to symbolize the, a bridge that collapsed as sort of as a reminder to these engineers indeed, about indeed, what it's happened? A, it's a pinky ring, and it's supposed to be actually a piece of the bridge, the metal from the bridge. Right. and But not it's not that bridge. It's not that, that bridge. I don't know what bridge it is. I'm, I, maybe it's the Tacoma Narrows. Do you remember that? No. We all watched that video in physics class. It's the bridge that they built and it started to vibrate and it goes like this and then collapses. Mm, I do know. And it was because of the that, frequency yeah. or something of the. Well, they just got it wrong, right? They, they, they didn't foresee something the too rigid. But it's something or... about frequency vibration. Yeah. I'm obviously physics is not my thing, but um, yeah, I remember that video. Anyway, one steel pin, man. So the Mothman had been sighted in Point Pleasant for 13 months. And the faulty steel pin was number 13. 
What do you mean? There were the, all the pins in the bridge are numbered, and the one that colla- that was responsible for the collapse is number thirteen. Oh, yeah. Oh, weird. I know. Eh? And also the significance of number thirteen alone. Mm-hmm. Some people actually believe the bridge had been sabotaged, but that's really out there. Following the collapse of that bridge, the Mothman is never seen in Point Pleasant again, ever. Was he seen that day? No. No. Okay. This is worth mentioning. Okay, on November the 2nd, 1966, a couple of weeks before the first reliable Mothman sighting, a sewing machine salesman, I love that he's a sewing machine salesman. It's just such a, of that time, you know, a Mm -hmm. guy going door to door selling sewing machines Mm -hmm. uh, by the name of Woodrow Woody. Derenberger was traveling along Interstate uh, Highway 77, and he was not far from Point Pleasant. He had driven that route hundreds of times. That was part of his territory. He suddenly sees a strange craft in the sky. It followed him for a while, and then it stops in the road directly in front of him. And then Derenberger is forced to stop. He actually has to come to an abrupt stop. Door opens in the side of that craft, and a man with a huge, frightening grin exits the craft and begins to communicate with Derenberger telepathically. It's not far from the Betty and Barney Mm -hmm. Hill kind Mm -hmm. of description. Mm -hmm. It asks him to roll down his window, and it then asks him his name. Creature, or I'm I'm just going to call him a he because Derenberger described him as a male. He told Derenberger not to be frightened, and he asked him about the glow on the horizon, which Derenberger explained was in fact the lights of Point Pleasant. The being then explained to Derenberger that its name was Indrid Cold. Throughout the conversation, it referred to he, or it, referred to itself as they, and it called itself a searcher. It questioned him at length about the people in the area and about the actual area itself, and then thanked him and left without any incident or threat. But the creature Indrid Cold stated that they would meet again. Well, Derenberger lost his shit, and as a good citizen, he notified the police right away. I should also note that that highway was pretty busy. It's an interstate. Many witnesses passed Derenberger's vehicle and can confirm that he was on the side of the road talking to a very tall man. Hmm. After the event, Derenberger was never the same. And you can actually see footage all over the internet of his daughter talking about what her fa- how her father was afterwards. When does this happen again in relation to the accident? Uh, more than a year. It's before it's before the first sighting of Mothman. Oh, and this is precip- precipitates. Yeah, it's okay, early okay, November okay, okay. 1966. The bridge collapses in December 67. So after the event, he would leave his home for weeks at a time. And he would often have no recollection of where he had been. On some occasions, he claimed to have actually visited Indrid Cold's home world. And one of his children, I think her name was Tanya. Anyway, you, you can find her easily. On Facebook? No. If I just not, put not Tanya a, into Facebook, I'll find her? Go away. There can't be that many Tanyas. Derenberger. Derenberger. Remember I said his, his last name was Derenberger. Is that with a P? What what's wrong with you today? What's going on? Like what's going on? Did you go to Insanity Island? It's and- warm. It's the heat. <laughs> <sighs> I I love you. Okay. So one of his children claimed this girl, I think I'm sure it's Tanya, that uh, injured cold would actually come to their house, hang out, have dinner. Cool. This has a very hitchhiker's guide feel to it. It's weird, eh? Like this injured cold we think of these aliens as being these, you know, austere, superior 
And it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to hang out on this planet for a little bit. Yeah, this guy's cool. I'm just going to go over for supper. He makes good chili. Yeah, he's a kind of a good alien, but kind of a weird alien as well. I'll get to that. So eventually these events stopped happening and Darren Berger's life returns to normal. But does he think of this guy as a friend? Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure. Like, I don't, I don't, or maybe they're just, they become interdependent somehow. I don't, I don't really, I didn't want to do a whole episode on, the problem was this could be a rabbit hole because Indrid Cold is a whole other thing. Yeah. Because I don't know if you know this, but this is not the only sighting of Indrid Cold. Oh my God. No, this okay. is a whole other thing. Well, look at you. You've, you're going to have two episodes coming out of this. Well, one. I might do it, but this is a big one. Indrid Cold is a huge one, as is The Man in, the man in Black, because this yeah. isn't the yeah. only time The Man in Black are seen, because the movie The Man in Black is actually based on the legend of The Man in Black. Yes. So mm-hmm. uh, one of the children, the same girl, claims to have seen Indrid Cold one last time after that, and that was at her father's funeral. He was way in the back, standing there. Tons of alien abductees have claimed to have met a creature named Indrid Cold. And he's often referred to as the Grinning Man. So if you see in your travels references to the Grinning Man, it's the same person. Mm-hmm. And Indrid Cold is actually in the Richard Gere movie. Yeah. He gets calls from Indrid Cold. That's okay. I remember that. Yeah. Hey, this is Indrid Cold, that weird voice. Um, so they um so they actually took that part of the story and wove it into the tale, but not exactly how it happened. You sounded like Radar from MASH when you did that. After he burned the oatmeal. I don't even know if that ever happened, but it sounds like probably. So, Dan, the Mothman is seen again and again at other locations around the world. And each time the sightings occur, they are associated with the eventual occurrence of a disaster. I'll give you two examples. Mexico City, 1985. Mothman appears again and again and again, weeks before a major earthquake that kills tons of people. And in 1986, it's seen in a very famous location for a couple of months, and that location's Chernobyl. Yes. So the Mothman is not just limited to Point Pleasant. I've heard that one. I did hear that, and I'm glad you brought it up, because I, I heard that story... I don't know if that was when I was watching that Chernobyl show or where I read that, but that people spotted a black winged creature that they'd never seen before days before the explosion. The descriptions are always generally uniform and always fit the bill for the Mothman. And what's interesting too, but that one, it's not like um, folklore that might be in the States. You know, people have heard about this, read it in the papers. Even you could say, say, well, these stories could cross the ocean and make their way to, you know, uh, United Kingdom and France Mm -hmm. and Ireland and places like that. This is during Soviet Russia era. There's not a lot of information going back and forth. So the fact that they have very similar descriptions of what they saw, that's eerie. That's weird. The descriptions are always incredibly uniform. And I mean, like I said before, the, the idea of the harbinger of doom isn't a new one. It's one that comes up again and again throughout history. But this, the Point Pleasant, uh, the Silver Bridge collapse is major. And I mean, 46 people died and they all, the general consensus is that the Mothman was basically um, a prelude to that. Is it that he's an alien or is it that he's some sort of supernatural entity? You know what this reminds me of as well is the Horned Man of Circular Quay. Key. Oh, for crying out loud. Key, I know. I forgot. Horned Man of Circular Key. Yes. Which we talked about. I, I, I don't blame you. I hate words that aren't 
don't don't sound like they're spelled. It makes me angry. Well, if you never hear them pronounced, yeah. my mom would not allow us to say words that started with Q. You children are going to be silent. I wish you had, you know, taken that advice to heart. No, but anyway, with that episode, it was, again, the same idea. Maybe that's the one where I talked about it. No, it was certainly Van Meter Visitor, but um, Harbingers of Doom, because he, that creature, Mm -hmm. was, again, throughout history, is someone that would be present when bad things were about to happen especially to children, which is what happened there, right? So, so point, uh, footnote, Point Pleasant never really um, recovered from it. If you go mm-hmm. to Point Pleasant and you ask anybody who lives there, they know someone who died. It yeah. was that bad a tragedy. And uh, again... Uh, oh, small town, of course. So yeah, Keel, uh, Keel, who wrote the book, uh, that is the book that was adapted for the movie. But it's been reissued and it actually has the image from the movie on it. It's, you know, and saying now a major motion picture, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, he... Uh, he was the one who basically put the whole narrative together. What does he think? What's his uh, hypothesis? Didn't read the book. Read a lot of interviews with him. The book is really long and really detailed, and I didn't think it was necessary. I sometimes read a book to do these, but this time I didn't. Um, yeah. He doesn't conclude anything, but he believes that there is something afoot. Mm-hmm. Like, there's the alien thing. There's lights in the sky, and they're not just red eyes. There are other kinds of lights in the sky. Like, the lights mm-hmm. in the sky that people are reporting aren't red eyes. They're big lights, moving lights, rotating. By the way, the craft, too, that the guy, um, the uh, Derenberger saw, wasn't, he drew it, and it wasn't your typical UFO at all. It looks like, almost like a spool of thread kind of thing, but narrow in the middle. It's like a, a tube, a cylindr- cylindrical kind of craft and he also claimed that when indrid cold was talking to him he could see somebody else in the craft but we we mentioned this in the area 51 episode as well that i mean bob lazar claims that there aren't there isn't just one species Mm -hmm. visiting the planet yeah and that there's a variety of different crafts that that they were aware of or he was aware of Mm -hmm. at least so that that's not surprising uh, at all that he this would be something very different you know. Well, a lot of people also claimed that the creature, the Mothman, from what they could tell, had a very gray, sallow skin that's very close to what people describe when they see the grays. You know, the aliens that are known mm-hmm. as the grays, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which that's mm-hmm. a huge thing in unto itself. But yeah. So interesting. I knew about the Mothman, but I didn't know over 100 people saw it. I didn't know how incredibly regular the sightings were. I didn't know that the loss of life was so profound, but I also had no idea about the alien Indrid cold connection. And like I said, if you Google or do any kind of search under Indrid cold, there's a lot out there about Indrid cold. Mm-hmm. He's, um, he's a force to be reckoned with. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. I love that name. I know. Indrid cold. Well, you're going to make a name up. Kudos to you. Wasn't that the name of um, the lead character in Knight Rider? Why are you suddenly obsessed with David Hasselhoff? That's it. He played. Oh, huh. why are you obsessed with that? Did you watch Knight Rider? Knight I'm Rider? into I'm into German pop music from the 1990s. The only thing I like about that David Hasselhoff has ever done is that video his daughter took of him when he's drunk on the floor. Did you ever see that? <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Oh my yeah. god. That's like beyond the pale. Doesn't he? Isn't he saying like, "Don't you know who I am?" Isn't it one of those? Well, he's just weird. He's all over. I think they want to order burgers or something, and it's just like, "Oh my god." Baby, you are like, you're out of your, you're off your tits. You're so drunk. But yeah. Poor David Hasselhoff. You know what? I don't think he gave a shit. 
He just kind of rolled. You know what? And I have to confess. Well, you got me fucking talking about David Hasselhoff now. But you know what? He's known to be a really nice guy. Oh, okay. Good. He's known. Everybody who's ever met him or know him say he's super, super nice guy. So that made my night. He's not Tom Hardy. Oh, is he supposed to be a douchebag? He's bag? difficult, I think. He's a very mm. artistic kind of hothead guy, I think. Like Russell Crowe. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. Russell Crowe. Eh? Woo. Have you seen him lately? He went to pasta camp and stayed the summer. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Like, and yeah. he, it's hard to believe that he was this like muscle God in the gladiator. And now he's kind of like a flesh volcano. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, look, look at me. Well, yeah, but you're not a star. You, you, you know, these people have trainers and they have, I, I don't mean you're fat, Dan. You're not, but I, the, I am. But these people don't have, like, these people have trainers and they can hire dietitians and, I know, you know but he just doesn't give a shit anymore. I think he's, he's, I think he's got a lot of depression and stuff, I would think. He's also older and he has a drinking issue, uh, uh, issue I think. I think so too. Which would make it challenging to control your weight. There's an amazing article about him written by, I think, someone who worked as his assistant about what it was like living with him. And it was in one of those magazines like Vanity Fair or something that I read years ago. And it's very, very telling. Yeah. And it's done kindly, but it also describes him as really unpredictable and quite a hothead. Can I, oh, I want to say something to you for real. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, it's funny because I just started watching this show this week and it ties into this so well. The uh, the Mothman stuff is Lovecraft Country. Oh, it's so good. Oh my God. God, I've only watched the first oh, two episodes. It is the best supernatural show mm. I've seen in a couple of years. Just in the way that they tie racism in America into it, into that narrative. Yeah. It's so, I mean, at times that's creepier than the monsters. Yeah. And it just, it's also beautifully woven together. The acting is incredible. The set design, the art, the art of it. Yeah. The recreation of that particular period in history. Beautiful. Yeah. And it's not. That typical Lovecrafty Cthulhu, you know, blah, 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 the old ones and all that shit. It's done in, oh, I love that. And I think they're doing more. Good. Yeah. They need to do more because that was a great watch. I agree with you. I, I want to watch it again. I loved that. I believe they are doing more because I was looking and there's no end date. If you go into IMDb, there's no end. Like it, it says, you know, uh, 2020 and and then dash and then it's open ended. I have good news that I heard this week. You know that um, you know that the director I can't remember his name of it. The, this last the uh, last two movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he was planning to release director's cuts of both films because a ton of footage ended up on the cutting room floor because. He filmed like the stories as close to the books as he could. Well, mm-hmm. it's since come out that he's actually going to release a supercut of the movie because of the Justice League uh, stuff. Not at all. It was he he actually released uh, the announcement before that, but I just came across it. Oh, okay, okay. But he's going to do a supercut, which should be around running times between seven and eight hours. Andy Muschietti. That's him. Yes, he's actually in the movie. So he he's in a drugstore scene. He is actually going to uh, do a because there's lots. Of story that didn't get told and it's a big book i mean you own the book probably it's a big book mm-hmm. so yeah I'm, I'm happy about that because i loved the movies i thought they were the best so far i didn't love bill skarsgård as Pennywise. i loved him i much preferred not tim curry yes found that much much more terrifying here here was my issue with it he was scary all the time like when when tim curry did it there were times where he looked like a, a 
a cute clown and hey kid uh. hi how are you and then it turns and it's just this vi- and but with scars guards interpreting it's not his fault and that's the way he was directed to do it he was just it was on all the time it was bad and now i now that being said i liked the movies i did I, and i preferred them overall compared to the original tv miniseries but i preferred tim curry's Pennywise to Skarsgård. Okay. Bill Skarsgård. It was Bill. See, Skarsgård. I had a problem because I could always see Tim Curry there in it. In his before, I could see it was Tim Curry. Like I could see him being Tim Curry from Clue. Was he in Clue? He's the butler. I've never seen Clue. I could care less. You know what? I think you'd like it. No, I maybe I don't know. But anyway, um, I'm just really super excited that that that's cool. That's good. A super cuts coming out because it's one of my favorite properties mm-hmm. and it deserves. Mm-hmm. More time. Okay, I think we've gone on long enough, don't you? I do. These people have lives to lead, and we don't want to keep them trapped in our universe. Well, and that is the comment that we get the most, is you trap us for uh, an hour every week, and we'll never forgive you for it. Well, I all the time get on Facebook, Riley, shut the fuck up. Yes. So I'm going to shut the fuck up right now. Um, Is there any business? It's usually me writing that under (laughs) one of my several pseudonyms. Is there any business we need to... um, share with these people no just you know the usual uh look folks we don't make any money doing these we're not charging uh, for the listens of our shows we we're doing this as a labor of love and to be quite honest with you this has been a really great excuse for riley and i to get to work together again and um, so we we enjoy doing this but it's always nice when uh, we see our show spreading and our and you know all the different countries that that are listening in now, which is so great. We can say, like, we have, what, around 9,000 downloads of this show so far. Yes, we do. And we've only li- dropped, what, 35 episodes? Uh, 36 episodes, yeah. This, uh, 37? That's pretty damn good. And it's all because of you guys liking what we do, and we're so happy that you do. Yeah, and, and it's just, it's nice. I don't, I don't know if you and I would have kept doing this if we were doing this into the wind no. and no one was listening, because it is a lot of work preparing these shows. So if you like what you're, you're hearing, then of course, just like we say after every episode, uh, share, uh, the show with other people, tell people about it. And, uh, you know, rate us and do all those things that that you can do uh, on whatever platform you're listening on. And don't forget to reach out and chat. We love it when you do. Oh, we love it. And there's a part of me that even likes the douchebaggy people that they get angry that (laughs) this thing has come across their feet. Oh, I know. I love that. (laughs) Don't interact if you don't like it. But anyway, no. So thanks so much for listening. And um, uh, we really appreciate your continued listenership. Super dupes. Good night, everybody. Good night. Automaton. 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 Tom Tom. Automaton. Oh, for crying out loud. Automaton. That's pretty damn good.